Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, the opportunity to worship you in giving. And now as we get ready to look into your word, we ask that it will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and grow, and that we will begin to mature and become all that you have called for us to be. We thank you for conforming us to the image of Christ and through your word, God, that we have victory. We thank you and we honor you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are now into our third episode of our series called Some Assembly Required. I'm just going to go ahead and give my opening statement on this one and we're going to get into it. Being a good husband means treating one's wife like a priceless treasure and protecting her at all costs. A husband must recognize the value of his wife to his life and God's kingdom. I'm going to hit y'all with it one more time. Being a good husband means treating one's wife like a priceless treasure and protecting her at all costs. A husband must recognize the value of his wife to his life and God's kingdom. Now, as we start on this episode, it's kind of obvious I'm going to be talking about husbands. We talked about wives last week. I thank you all for not uh, bombarding us with emails or anything like that. I thought we had did a, a good job with that. Uh, so I thank you for that. Um, so I'm hoping we can go and do the same thing this week, that we can explain it in such a way that it, it is easy to understand, comprehend, and apply. So our first episode, we talked about having the right mindset. And some assembly required is talking about the marriage covenant and how it functions. Then last week, we talked about the right meaning and what was in the Focus was what is the meaning of wife and the word that we seem to always attach to it, submission. What, how does that work? And we talked about the meaning last week. This week, we're going to be talking about the right perspective. The right perspective. And as I've said already, we're going to be talking about the husband's part in this marital covenant. So the first definition for today is marriage. Marriage is the state of being united to a person of the opposite sex as husband or wife in a consensual and contractual relationship recognized by law. Right means being in accordance with what is just, good, or proper. Next one is perspective. That which is seen through an opening or a view. And then the fourth one is husband. A male partner in a marriage. I know that one was very complex. So let's look at the scriptures. We're still in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We're sliding down just a little bit. Now we're at Ephesians 25, and we're going to go all the way to the end of chapter 5. And then we're going to jump over to, like we did with the, uh, last week, we went with uh, 1 Peter the third chapter, and there's something for the husbands in there, so we're going to jump over there also. So let's start off with Ephesians in the English Standard Version, and it says this. Verse number 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church 
and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Jump over to 1 Peter the third chapter, the 7th verse says this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our hearts in Jesus' name. Let's jump into this and talk about the husband. Now, I know we have heard and we hear guys getting beat up about this and and and, and things like that, but this is this is actually not a beat up session. This is actually a session to just say this is what the Bible is referring relating for us to do if we desire, which we should desire to have the our marriage function in the way that God was designed. Which makes me think about this. Men are known for doing this process. They buy something that needs assembly and they get their tools together and they pull everything out and they look at the box and begin the assembly process. Then in the end, they wonder why they have all them parts left over. They must not have been needed. But there was a study that said 64% of men don't even read the manual before calling for tech support, which means that they call for help even though the answer to their problems might be in their hands. And so we have to look at if there is an issue in our marital relationship as the husband, then there should be some answers by the person who manufactured the product, the product being marriage. God discovered, I mean, created and established this at the beginning of the time of man. And so if God created it, then he probably has the uh, vision, the purpose for why marriage was established, why it was designed. 
And with that, he has created an instruction manual. And instead of us looking into the instruction manual, because it is a, a propensity of two-thirds of men not looking at the instruction manual before asking for help. And so it implies two things to me. It implies, number one, that we don't like to read. Number two, that we rather hear what our friends have to say about it than what the, or I should say friends, what someone else says about it than what the manufacturer says about it. Which can cause more problems because if they ain't looked at the manual either, they're just going to tell you how they feel, and sometimes feelings will get you in some trouble. So the whole purpose or the whole guise of why Paul is bringing this up is because he's trying to cause us to see Jesus is the reason or Jesus in the midst of the marital relationship. How can we see Jesus in the midst of the relationship? Because he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, this becomes what we call an inverted hierarchy. Usually a hierarchy, like we talked about last week, is a, a triangle with the, the boss or the chief at the top. But even if we follow that premise, the way that the kingdom mindset is, is yes, it's a hierarchy, but it's shaped more like this, where the point or the head becomes responsible to everything above and make sure that everything above is taken care of appropriately. And so this is very different than what the Ephesians or the, those folks at the time were living. Mm -hmm. Everything was about the men. The women, the children, the servants, the dog, the cat, everything existed for the benefit, the enjoyment of the man. But when Jesus came, he said, I've come to serve. He's told the disciples, he said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, then guess what you need to do? You need to be a servant to all. So if we want to be in accordance to this uh, prescription for marriage, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so if we're going to do this in the way that Christ did it, then our sacrifice is to our wives, our children, and to everything that they're involved in. Please don't email me about it. <laughs> we have to realize if we want God's results, we have to do it God's way. And so with that in mind, we have to take that hierarchy triangle and invert it so that we become the greatest through servanthood. Not from people serving us, but from us serving the people that God has put into our responsible areas. 
And so when we do this, he, Paul is bringing, saying that we have to love our wives. And we heard today that love is kind and love, love is long-suffering and, and, and love has all these positive uh, uh, parts to it that cause us to look at how we can do better towards the person that we're being loving to. Now, I remember uh, a pastor one day, he was telling the story. He said that this husband and his wife had been married for a long period of time. And um, the husband came reluctantly, but they went to see a therapist. And the, wife, and the uh, therapist asked the wife, well, why are you here? And the wife was like, well, you know, we've been married all these years, and not once has he told me that he loves me. And so the therapist looks at the husband, and he says, sir, what's going on with that? He said, I told her when I, we got married that I loved her, and if it changes, I'll let her know. And so what we see here is us in this situation, the husband thinking that love is just words. But love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is a conduct. Love is an interaction. And if we say we love someone but do not have corresponding actions to what we're saying, then... We are lying. And so we have to realize that as men, we want to be the head, but we don't want to be the, have the responsibilities of the head. See, it's easy to be the head when everybody is saying you're in charge, but it becomes different when everybody says things are broken, now you got to fix it. And so when you got to start taking on the responsibility of headship, it causes your perspective to change. Because now you have to put some work in. You have to do some things in order to change what's going on. We have people today that are now waiting later in life to get married. And because they're waiting later in life to get married, they are going through complications because they spent so much time doing things on their own and have not learned the biblical concepts of submission. Because remember, we already talked about Ephesians 5.21, that we should be submitting one to another in order to show glory to Christ. Then if we're doing that, we're submitting one to another, it should be easier for us to operate in this design. And so as we walk through this, and we're looking at this, we can see it, it looks easy in words. It looks easy in the layout of it. But the practical application of it causes us to have complications. Because society is telling us that you the man, you number one, and you all this, you're all that. You, but God's saying in order to be number one in the kingdom philosophy... <clears throat> you have to be the servant of, <laughs> that caused a little complication right there. 
I, I, you know, I, I'm not talking from a person that's that doesn't know. This, this is a complication. When I, when I, when I say that you're supposed to do this and you don't do it, then instead of me looking at you and saying, "Why aren't you doing what I'm telling you to do?" Sometimes I have to reflect and say, "Why have I created an environment where this person's not willing to do what it is that I'm telling them to do?" Is there? There's a saying that uh, rules without relationship creates rebellion. Rules without relationship create rebellion. So if you try to establish rules without establishing relationship, you're going to end up creating rebellion. I think I might get a couple emails this week. But anyway, so what we want to, what we want to do is we want to do this in a way and see that in Ephesians 5, Paul only says, hey, women, respect your husband. Women, you do this. He only I think he only took like three verses for the women. But now he done laid this whole thing out for the men. He, he's really going into this because along with you being in the position of the head, there's also some responsibility that comes with that that you need to be aware of. So when we don't read the manual like two, so if three men were standing up here, that means two of us would not read the manual. And the other one might feel guilty, so he won't read the manual either. So, so we have to realize that if we don't study and we don't read and if we don't seek God's guidance on how we should be husbanding, then the next thing we know, we're going to do it in the world's manner. And the world's manner is all about self. How can I be feel better? How can I do better? But that's not how the, the kingdom says we should serve. And so we see how Paul says in, in verse number 25, he, he brings out, he says, and gave himself up for her. He speaks to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus for the church. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that you as a husband should be willing to die for your wife. But Paul's exhortation is talking about another death also. Swallowing your pride and, and, and dying to self, not, not having to have your way every day and in every way, but listening and taking sometimes your, your desire, your wants, your, what you want, how you want it to happen, and stepping back and listening and sometimes allowing the situation to be that I'm going to step back. I'm going to, what's that word? Submit and let everything happen in the better way. And sometimes dying to our wants, our desires, is sometimes harder for us as men than really dying, physically dying for our wives. There's a story about a man by the name of Brian Wood who, as he was driving through an intersection, he saw a truck coming at the car. 
And he turned the car so that as he was driving, that the car would hit his side because originally, initially it was coming towards his wife and child side of the car. So, but he turned the car so this truck would hit his side. He was killed instantly, but his wife and his child lived. He made a decision to sacrifice for his wife. How many of us would make that same type of sacrifice? I know we, was, I know we say we, want, we would want to, but my question is, would you? We, we want that to be our, our, our saying. We would want that to be how we would want to do it, but would you? Then Paul goes on, because Paul, Paul reminds me of, of the little brother that like, just like to pick with you. Because then he goes on, he says, okay, okay. He says, he says, okay, okay, you got that, you got that, you got to love, you got to love it. Then he goes on, he says, you should treat your wife like you treat yourself. You should treat your wife as you treat yourself. And he is bringing out the fact that when you are looking at and taking care of the well-being of your wife, it should, you should have this, the concept, the perception that I am taking care of myself as I'm taking care of this person. This is going to get somebody in trouble, but let's go ahead. It's, it, and so, like Jesus with the church, the husband should make sure his wife has all she needs physically and emotionally. Now, that I, I shouldn't have added that extra one, huh? I should have just said physically. But sometimes it, the emotional well-being of our wife is more important than her physical well-being because her physical deficiency is based upon her emotional deficiency. And if we can make sure that she is fit in both areas, then we have completeness. So the man is to treat her like he treats his own body. If you are hurt or injured, you take care of yourself. If your spouse, your wife is hurt or injured, you should take care of her. Well, she can take care of herself. That's not how this thing is working, bro. Right. You are supposed to have the care, the concern, and show the love that I am concerned about your well-being. I'm more concerned about your well-being than my own well-being because I know if I take care of you, I'm taking care of myself. I know it's a deep concept. That's why Paul goes around later on. He says it's, just, it's a mystery. I can't explain it to you totally, but I'm just telling you what God is telling me. So then we have to ask this question. Men, how do we treat our bodies? How much time are we spending doing trivial activities? Many of these things are tied together. We, we watch a lot of television, which means we sit a lot. There's a survey that says that people are watching TV as much as five hours a day. 
And then we wonder why our bodies are a little rounder than what they were before. We wonder why our BMI is saying, leave me alone, because I didn't know I could go up that high. We have to make sure that we are concerned about our own health and the amount of time that we're spending playing video games and hanging out with the boys and, and doing all these things that are not causing our own bodies to be in a state of health. But we also have to consider these same things that we're doing could also be detrimental to our marital relationship. Because hours on the couch more than likely are hours away from your spouse. Now, I can, I can attest to this because my wife loves uh, um, Law and Order, uh, Castle, um, what's the other one with the doctor? Um, what's the name of it? Okay. No, not that one. Oh, then, yeah, then she like all these hospitals, all these, uh, anyway. So I have to let my, tell myself, you're not going to necessarily watch television. You're going to spend time with Yolanda. I have to tell, because that kind of stuff's not interesting to me, but I make myself interested. And then it was one show. I was like, I was like, okay, I'll watch this with you. I can't remember the name of it. But then I was just like, when the next episode coming on? I can't remember the name of that one. But that one was real interesting. It's about these two, this woman who was a world gangster, and uh, and the other woman was the FBI. And it's not on. It's it stopped at the season. But anyway, but my point is, you have to make conscious effort to change that statistic. Or you only have one television in the house. And in the way we live in today, ain't nobody got one television. <laughs> so my, my bet to you is that you would go and just sit together, lay on each other, and just be there in the presence and ask questions every once in a while. Not out of phoniness, but after just spending time. And next thing you know, it becomes... Well, let's not watch. Let's just sit here and talk. I know that's going to scare some of y'all, but I mean, it's going to help your relationship. And so we have to recognize that there are some things that we have to do as being the head servant of the relationship. So this makes me go into that first Peter, the third chapter, the seventh verse. And what this does is. This scripture is really not one that, that we celebrate all that much because it, it tells us that we have to recognize the value of our wife. I'm going to say it again. We have to recognize the value of your wife. Now, if you are calling your wife worthless, 
What is it saying about you because you married her? I'm, I'm, I, I just ran through my mind. I just had to go there. But if we look at her as being a child of the kingdom of heaven, if we look at her being a joint heir with us in Christ Jesus, if we look at her as being created by God for a purpose on this earth, then that means that she has a price that numbers cannot match, which means she's priceless. And because she's priceless, then we should treat her as a priceless person. We have to understand that by the Bible even says that if you find a wife, that you are blessed. God will bless you. God is blessing you because he says if you find a wife, you are blessed because you have found the favor of God. So in other words, a good wife is valuable to the life of a man. There was a secular book that I read that said that married men live longer than single men. Married men actually are wealthier than single men. I just want to bring them two points out. You're going to live longer, you're going to have more money. So let's look at this. I know you have heard of the Hope Diamond. The Hope Diamond is, a, is this diamond that is the standard. And think about it. The Hope Diamond, which is in the Smithsonian, is in this case. But if you knew the security system that was around it and how much it costs to secure that diamond, then you understand the worth of the diamond. So if that is the process that the worth of a thing is elevated by the amount of protection that we put around it, how much is your marriage worth? How much is your relationship worth? What protections, what things are you doing as the husband to ensure there's a safe environment for which your wife can grow? Now, let, let me, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I, I'm at the end of my notes, but this just ran through my mind, and I want to hit this last part. This is not a if-you-do-I-do situation. If you do, if you show me respect, then I'm going to show you love. Because that is a cycle that you do not want to be on. What you want to do is, you want to do your part, and if the other person is not doing their part, then that's God's responsibility to help them to get to where they need to be. You cannot make your wife respect you, and you cannot make your husband love you. Mm -hmm. 
There has to be a desire by the individual to make that so. And if there has been some situations in their lives that are causing them difficulty in performing in the love or respect aspect, what we need to do is, number one, we need to take it to God. Number two, we may need to get somebody to come and be a mediator to help us navigate how we can get and do and be better. But us sitting in the house throwing dishes and lamps and, and all that stuff is not showing love and respect. It's not setting an example for any children, any neighbors, or anybody around you, especially if you're calling upon the name of Christ. So part of our protection is if we need outside help, then we should get outside help now this see this is how the enemy's got the enemy has caused men to think if you go get help from a therapist psychiatrist psychologist any of that then you're weak you're not weak you're strong because you know that you can be in a better place and so find and listen the first person you go to may not be the person for you but you find the person that is for you so that they can help you to get to where you need to be. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox. But this is, this is so true. The enemy has made us think, now you the head, you the leader, you the, 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 the chief servant of, the, of, of, of your organization, your family, and the enemy has convinced you that you don't need help. Everybody need help. Why you think God gave you a help me? Because you need help. Okay. Let me see. I'm trying to get off this soapbox. But we thinking, we sitting up here and we're believing that it's all about us and we're all responsible. Yes, you're responsible, but that also means that you need to bring in help in order to help you with your responsibility. All right? All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit one more thing and then, then I'm going to call it a day, I think. I want to look at that verse number 33. It says, Ephesians 5, 33, it says, however, after all this, after all this said about the wife, all this is said about the husband, he says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Again, he hits us with it one final time. And let the wife, now look at the word that he uses. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, seeing is again a word of perception. Are you looking through the lenses of respect? Or are you looking through the lens of I'm hurt, I want vengeance, I want him to feel the same level of hurt I do, so I'm going to uh, uh, undermine. But if we do this God's way, we're going to get God's result. Husbands, love your wife as yourself. Wife, ensure that your perception is a perception of respect of him. And even if either side is not totally acting right, you still do your part and let God make up the difference. I will say this like I said last week. If you are in a situation or a condition 
where you are being physically, emotionally, uh, uh, in an abusive relationship, I'm not telling you to stay in that relationship. I'm telling you that you may need to step away so that some adjustments can be made by some outside uh, help so that you all can get back together. But to just stay in that and to be damaged even more is not a good situation. Because I, I actually have a friend who for a long time, I didn't know it, he, he, had, you know, he had to let us know that he was in an abusive relationship. His wife was abusing him physically. And we didn't know it, but once he decided to tell us, then he started making the moves because we supported him in making the moves. What, how does it sound like for a man to be getting abused by a woman? He's like, he like a real big guy, and she's like a real little lady. And, but that, that's irrelevant. There has to be some separation so healing and reconciliation can be made if it's possible. And so I'm not telling you to, to stay in this no matter what. That, that's not how I do business. We have to do it in accordance to God's word. And God did not design either one of us to be emotional or physical punching bags. And so we have to do what's necessary to cause reconciliation and hopefully re-engage uh, re the covenant. But no, not in the middle of it. No, we, 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 we don't play that. Because there needs, there's some work that needs to be done. All right? All right. With that being said, y'all can email me. We're going to tell you to email in a few minutes. It's all right. You can agree, disagree, and uh, I might even do an Instagram live and just go ahead and discuss whatever y'all email me. Because y'all didn't email me last week. I wasn't going to make But anyway, there is a component of this that is, that is so essential that Paul said it. He said, husbands, love your wives. And the example that he gave is just like Christ loved the church and that he gave himself for it. And I want to I stay with that for a minute because Jesus loved each and every one of us individually and collectively that he gave his life for us. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then there are some adjustments that we need to make. Because if you want to get the full potential of your design, of your purpose on this earth, then you must get connected to the manufacturer, the creator of you. And in order to do that, you have to be reconnected to God. And the only way that you can get reconnected to God is by accepting the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It says, for with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. And with the heart, one believes and is justified. And so we want you to make that decision because if you don't make that decision, then that means that you're going to continue to walk in sin. And sin is simply missing the mark that is established by God. 
God wants every one of us to come into the saving grace that he has provided for us. But it's a gift, which means that you have to accept it. And if you don't accept it, then you don't receive it. And so it's not a hard thing to receive. He says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And again, that word saved means rescued, delivered from the penalty of sin. And the penalty of sin is death. But then that same scripture goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we want that for you. And if that is the conviction that you're feeling today, that you need that relationship, and you have made that confession, you have walked that belief course that you say that I accept what Jesus has done for me, then we want to assist you along this journey. Because this is not an individual event. This is a team sport. And so we are willing to help you. And we have this information for you. You can email us at info at godshousecc.com. Or you can text us at 864-920-0100. That's info at godshousecc.com for email. Or you can text us at 864-920-0100. And we will get back with you. That's a promise. All right. Well, friends and family, we made it through episode number three. There's no blood on the floor. Everybody's up and moving around. Everything is good. <laughs> We're excited and delighted to go on to this journey. I told you this year is the year of the family. And we are going to work on, focus on building up the family because it is important to God. So it should be important to us. So next week we'll be doing episode number four. And that will be the end of the Some Assembly Required series. And then in the month of September... Because it's the start of the fall season, we're actually going to take some time and talk. I think we're going to take a whole month, maybe a month and a half, and talk about prayer. Because I believe it's very important also. That a family in this establishment is good, but having prayer as the bedrock of that family is that much more important. With that all being said, enjoy your week. God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.